Welcome back to our next episode of Doggone Truth About Rescue with Always and Forever. Today, we're going to be taking a look into the intake process, which has been very busy these last few months. Not that it hasn't been before, but with bringing in a new shelter that we are overseeing and helping out with, it has double, triple, dare I say quadrupled um, <laughs> with tasks. So, so how would you like to introduce our guest that we have with us tonight? Kelly, thank you for joining us. Can you please introduce yourself, your role at Always and Forever? So I'm Kelly Fry. I am the intake coordinator. At Always and Forever. And I've been with Always and Forever for a couple years now. On and off, started in the whole fostering world of bringing doggies in to my own home. And then slowly started helping out the rescue just in different areas. And fostering was the first area I started with. And then that kind of moved into the intake role, which is where I'm at now. How many pups do you have? We have three, two boxers and a (laughs) salty little French bulldog Boston Terrier mix. Two of them are, well, all three are rescues, but one is always in forever. So there's always a spot for an always in forever one at our house. My heart just sank. I had two boxers and at one point a Boston at the same time. Uh, So we just became best friends. That's how Jen and I became friends. (laughs) So are you with Always and Forever, is that full-time or do you have another job outside of intake? I do have another job. Yep. I work in the insurance world. I train different people coming into uh, their job. So orientation training is pretty much what I do and documentation creation. But the fun one is Always and Forever. <laughs> so how do you balance the two, especially with how busy intake has been lately? Truthfully, there's a priority for me. So that's, it's not hard to think of the doggies first. And it's just kind of, it's one of those things that it becomes part of you. So you just, you learn to manage it and you manage it how you can. Absolutely. If it's priority, you figure it out. Yeah. And if you you care about it enough. So let's get into why there's been so many more intakes recently with Wichita. Yes. So Wichita is essentially a shelter. It's not a sanctuary like we are. So they have sometimes the need to euthanize. And that's always kind of a tough subject, I think, for a lot of people. But because it is not solely run by a 5013C county and the city manage it, they take intakes constantly. So they're just constantly coming in. There's surrenders, there's owner surrenders, we've got strays by cars, you know, you name it, they're coming in constantly. And they can sometimes be as many as 20 to 30, you know, animals a day that come in. So their philosophy too is as many that come in, that many has to go out. So it becomes really hard when resources are lacking and space is an issue. So we've kind of just stepped in to say, you know, too many are dying and we need to do something better. Thank you for that. Can you go into a little bit more detail? Jen touched on it a few episodes back when she talked about Wichita, but the process of tagging and then from tagging to intake and how you're involved in that. Yeah. One of my favorite things is to tag a dog (laughs) and I'll explain that. So a lot of times, whether it's an email that we get or we're watching the website or word of mouth, you know, you name it. We watch Wichita's website quite a bit just because they have all of them um, listed. We do get emails from them directly that tell us who's in need and who has certain days left being in the shelter. And so from there, it's so hard. There's so many people that have asked me too, well, how do you how do you pick which one? It's not really picking. It's who's in need most, who's who's in dire <laughs> straits at that point. I do sometimes 
choose the ones that will probably be more that are able to be adopted out easier for us. And now that I've done it long enough, I do know other rescues that have good luck with different breeds, small ones, big ones. They, you know, certain rescues specialize in certain ones. So I can call them then and say, hey, this is over there. How can I help you? We can help you with drives. We can whatever we need to do to get this dog out of there. So depending on how that all works, and we've now kind of made a network of different rescues that I speak to. So it's all over from Kansas to, I was telling my husband the other day, we even have one that I talked to in Wyoming. I've got one in Colorado. I've got, you know, so I'm starting to branch out more. With that, there are some challenges because of transportation, but I always think if they are willing to take a doggy and we're going to be willing to help somehow. Brings us to the next question I was going to mm-hmm. ask. You work very closely with Craig. Yes. Uh, with traveling. Let's talk about that connection as well and how you guys work together, especially with these connections with these outside rescues now. Craig is one of my mentors within rescue, and he has taught me so much really about just networking and doing all you can to really not only promote the good stuff that we can do, but also help other rescues. So it's it's really about, you know, working together. And Jen always says it, and I always have to copy her, but kindness does follow kindness. And so if you're willing to help someone else, they in return will do the same for you. And I have seen that so many times with us doing you know, transports or tagging dogs, or it's amazing what they'll turn around and help you with too. So it's, it's pretty cool. Craig is amazing when it comes to getting a dog anywhere you need to go. He's got the most beautiful network of people that will help him. Each one of them wants to do right by the dogs too. It's an amazing team that he has created. And from that, I think I have learned too, that you need an amazing team supporting you in order to be able to keep pulling dogs in. So He's, he's pretty amazing. <laughs> Taking a step back away from Wichita, just in general, the relation between you and Craig, do you set up the intake first and then the Freedom Ride? Or do you get a call, Freedom Ride, get them here, and then do all the intake processing? No, the intake has to start. So there's a huge... So it's kind of interesting. I would love to take all the dogs possible, but there's a whole step before that. So we have to make sure that we've got vet care set up. We have to have a foster lined up. That's probably first and foremost. Once you have a foster lined up, then I can turn around and start thinking about doing the tagging. Once the tagging is done, then we have to make sure that we've got... So the foster and vet care kind of go hand in hand. But as long as I have a foster, vet care can come within the next day or so. So that we can kind of figure out. And we've got a great network of beautiful vets that help us too. But then after that, it's all about logistics. So... How fast, sometimes it's scary though, because those dogs need to be out of there ASAP. So you are scrambling to try and find the very first first um, volunteer to kind of step up and say, okay, I can go pick that dog up from, you know, Wichita. I can get to this, you know, point A, but then we've got <laughs> all these other points that we've got to fill into. So Craig is a mastermind at being able to fill in all these little spots of people Because it's not just one person going from, not typically, but um, from like point A to point B. He usually has, you know, points in between and and different checkpoints. And it's amazing. I I could not do that part of it. So I came across like a Facebook post to where when Craig was posting about help of saving a rescue from Wichita. And it's literally like 
Kelly was saying, point A to point B, and then we have another driver from point B to C, (laughs) C to D. And I love how that is organized because instead of having one person just do that whole drive, that one leg, I love it. I love our community. Yeah, it's amazing. And you have to think, too, these dogs are so afraid that a long drive, like a a two-and-a-half-hour drive or a three-hour drive, is going to be just as stressful on them. So to be able to let them get out, stretch their legs a little bit sometimes, um, it's safer for the drivers as well. We don't put as much stress on them. It's already stressful to have a new doggy in your car anyway, and you're already kind of emotion. You know, your emotions are high because you're excited that they're safe. But at the same time, these are new dogs, and we have to be so careful. And so there's a lot that goes that goes into it. Talking about the post on Facebook brought a few questions to my mind as an intake coordinator. First thought is that when you see a small dog or a cute dog or something posted, I find myself, that's such a cute dog. And then I see 87 comments, something amount of shares. In my mind, I'm like, oh, well, clearly this one's going to be rescued or saved. Is that always guaranteed when it's that high of a rate of reactions? No, no. And what is... So I hate to say this, but a lot of times what happens on Facebook is a lot of people will mention or talk or speak about the dog that's being posted and then not follow through. And so you really have to kind of, not that I ignore a lot of the messages that come through, but I think you get used to who's going to go and who's not going to. And so you kind of find yourself either ignoring some of the messages and moving towards a different way of finding them help. But the fact that they're out there and they're getting, they're getting exposure is huge because then once we do tag them, those people do come back to see that those doggies are safe and that things are better. And those are the ones then that typically want to get to know the dog a little bit more because now it's kind of a safety zone that they can get to know the dog. It's, it's not as scary just to bring them into your home without knowing them. That was a perfect lead way to my next question. Often in the groups, we see people posting animals outside of always and forever. Uh, this one needs rehome. My friend's getting rid of this dog. How do you handle that as an intake coordinator? Part B of that question. Can you talk about how we don't take animals that are just dropped off at always and forever? Absolutely. So a lot of times people will post dogs that are not, that don't belong to Always and Forever. And that's a tough one because you have to pick your battles pretty much is what it is. And if there are some that do get posted that I feel like I can pull them aside and message them privately and help them in that sense, I'll do that. But really we need to stay focused on our job at hand, which is the ones that we have brought in. So we really try and focus on that. What was perfect? You're good. I'm loading up questions because as you're talking, they keep coming up in my head. I'm like, ooh, ask that, ask that, ask that. Mm-hmm. Part B is we don't accept animals being dropped off at Always and Forever as if we were a shelter that right. takes and takes. If you could just go into details on that and where you do direct people if they reach out and say, can I bring my dog to you? I can no longer take care of them. Yep. So um, that's really tough. And I think people don't quite always understand why they can't just drop off. But we are not, we're not set up for that. We have an open kind of housing situation where it's just not safe. So we've got a lot of different dogs that can be in different groups. But then we have an open atmosphere of dogs as well. And so to bring any dog in, one, we don't know their medical conditions, their vaccinations, if they're spayed and neutered, a lot of times too, dogs that are not neutered or spayed have a different reaction to doggies. You know, they, there's different 
hormones and whatnot going through and they could be more aggressive. They could be picked on more. So it's really, we don't want drop-offs, but at the same time, we're not saying that we don't want to help you. What they need to do is really get in touch with me. So that would be intake at alwaysandforever.org um, dot love. Let's see. Always and forever dot love. And they just have to email us, tell us as much as they can about the dog that why you're surrendering, what the reasons are. And then we go down just the basic list of sex and vaccinations and who do they get along with and what's the age and, you know, any ailment. So it's really pretty simple. From there, I can network. And when I say network, it's not just networking within our own team, but Maybe it's, you know, like a German shepherd that I know exactly someone has been looking for one. So you network out to that group or a shih tzu or, you know, whatever it is, we can network to a different area or a different group that can help too. So it's, there's ways but you have to kind of follow the steps to get to those rescues. You are a wealth of knowledge on this topic. I hope you know that. <laughs> I'm learning so much. Well, here's the thing though, like you think of the title of our podcast, doggone truth about rescues there's like levels to this and the more episodes we do the more i learn and so kelly thank you so much for sharing and it is we kind of rotate between episodes of when jen's on here and we have our fireside chats and it's more of casual conversation just catching up on what's going on in the rescue and then more of an informative episode like this where we're really just asking questions and learning about a whole different topic i knew about intake but not the in-depth process so how many people have this role it's just mine (laughs) (laughs) but i have an entire team that helps me you're welcome (laughs) thank you so much kelly do a lot of rescues typically only have one person doing intake is it a unique role for always and forever and the way that we do it is different than other rescues do you know that's a great question i've never been with another rescue in this in depth this way but i feel like we do it well we have such a good team just because i do intake doesn't mean it's just me doing that part craig is a huge part of it The foster team is a huge part. The adoption team. Jane helps me all the time because there's nighttime calls that we get that we have to decide, you know, can we help the dog? Can there was actually one on my way over here where I had to call one of the med coordinators and say, okay, I don't want this dog to be put down. I think it's a, this dog doesn't deserve to die yet, but I don't understand the ailment that we're having. Walk me through. Can we, can we do something to buy me some time to find the right rescue to help this dog? So it's literally a group. Everyone has a hand in intake. So it's not, may just be my title, but every single person helps me. I have a question. Sheila likes to transition into questions. Me, I just think of a question and just like, look, this is probably off subject, but do you have a number of how many we've saved from Wichita so far? I'll tell you this. The first month that we started bringing doggies in, it was close to 150 in one month. Wow. Now that doesn't mean they all came into our rescue. We can save a lot. Because if once you save one from Wichita, they bring in another one, right? Yep. That's crazy. It never stops. It never stops. That is crazy. Unfortunately. Well, that brings me to my next question. (laughs) What is the hardest part about your job? I would, I would say not saving them, but (laughs) as hard as that, this kind of gets me choked up. There have been many tears. It truly isn't an informative episode without tears. Just so you know. 
I think the hardest thing is when one comes across the table and I didn't promote them. Is that just because of the timing of it? Mm -hmm. By the time they got there, by the time we could even do a post? Yeah. Sometimes we just don't know about them. When you see them right at the last minute, I want to make sure. (laughs) My goal is to make sure, even if the dogs don't realize it, in my heart, I need to know that they mattered. The fact that you're thinking of them and having this emotion over it, I hope you know, shows that they mattered and that someone did know about them and someone did care. Yeah. And I always want that. It's just hard. It's hard when they have to die with a number instead of a name and a family. Absolutely. So then what is the best part of your job? (laughs) (laughs) You know, truthfully, I think every day I walk in and... I'm able to give part of myself to the, this organization. It's the best part. There's so much so much good that comes from it. With making a difference, and you literally have access to all the dogs that come in. And I know people say it all the time. I can't work in a rescue or shelter. I want to take them all home with me. How, did you, how do you manage expectations and limit yourself from only having three dogs at home? That's really not hard. To tell you the truth, I think sometimes it is hard. I personally like to bring in all the ones that are the hospice cases, the ones that I think just need my snuggles. I just, that that is tough. But when it comes down to it, it's it's very similar to how many do you put in the barn? You know, how it's it comes down to you have to always think of the ones you have first. And they are the ones that you promised. And so you have to, you know, think of them, take care of them. And then if it works to bring another one in, you do. But if it's not the right situation, then it's not good for either the rescue animal or the or your family pets. So you have to make sure that you're being responsible for all of that too. And it's it's very similar to how many do you bring in each day. So the ones that are in our Anna family, those pups, we have to take care of them first. They come first. They're part of our family. So we have to make sure we're always kind of watching that. And I think that's where a lot of the promoting gets pushed out too is you just start asking for help then from other rescues because you know that you you're kind of tapped out at certain times it's a different episode than our cats episode last week (laughs) how many did beth say she had she never answered did she the actual number of cats she had in her basement i think cats are different yeah that's why i'm like i have to ask and compare the difference between if you haven't listened to that episode go back and listen to our cat episode it was a lengthy one (laughs) meow So with the promotion and all of the steps that you've gone through, what is a typical time frame by the time a dog is tagged to intake is in the door at Always and Forever? For instance, today we tagged a dog, picked it up within 15 minutes, and he was at a foster's house. So there are some really fast intake possibilities. We try and get them out as soon as possible. Some of the ones that are longer are going to be the ones that are probably from an email or an owner surrender that we have received where very possibly they'll hold on to the the dog for a certain amount of time until we find the right spot for them and then we can move them. So it really kind of depends on the situation. If it's a rush and it's an emergency situation, which mostly Wichita is, we can move them fast. We've got some amazing volunteers that will hear the plea of help and they come running. So it's pretty amazing. So with Wichita and how quickly some of them can come out of there, you just said 15 minutes that we got one. How can our listeners help with the Wichita situation? So there are 
Many, many different things. I feel like I always tell, because people ask me that a lot, what can I do to help? I'm not, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have this. I can't do this. I can't foster. What do you do? Being an advocate for an animal, I think is the biggest step. So just try and do all the right things. Educate people. Talk to them about, you know, spay and neutering. If your friend is talking about getting a breeder dog, encourage rescue. Directly helping Wichita, there are so many different volunteer opportunities that we will have down the road. Right now, you can be a individual that picks, if you're in Wichita, you can pick up a dog for us and be a temp foster for a little bit. Um, you can be a full-time foster. You can be a driver with Craig. You could, if you're in our area, it may not feel like you're directly helping Wichita maybe, but the fact that you would come and walk some of our dogs gives us the opportunity to get our doggies out. That gets them more more uh, promoting and then they move on. So then we can pull more foster or more doggies in from Wichita. So it's really, it's a full circle type of thing. If we get ours out, we pull more in. It's just that simple. So walking dogs, donating to um, any of our funds that we need, promoting by sharing our posts are huge. Speaking kind words instead of hate, I think is a great one too. Always and forever is really about kindness and love and acceptance and um, doing all the good things. So instead of maybe negative about some of the situations that we run into, try and be more positive about it because it is going to I think help promote some of those dogs as well, instead of cutting people away from it. So there's a lot of things we can do. This is off topic, but on topic at work, we recently went through a course on the resources for domestic violence within the city and just educated on the numbers, the stats of one in three women, one in four men of how many people, you know, probably deal with it, but don't want to talk about it or don't know that where the resources are available. So the simplest thing you can do is educate yourself and then casually bring it up within conversation with your friends or when you're out in public somewhere and just say, hey, I learned this today. Did you know this? And just bring it up because you don't know who else in that conversation is going to take that knowledge and then take it somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, five people down the road are following always and forever because you casually brought it up in a conversation of, did you know what's going on in Wichita? Did you know that? So even if you don't have the time, don't have the resources, it's as simple as just talking about it, knowing the stats, knowing the articles and what's going on and just bringing it up in casual conversation because you have no idea who's going to listen in a little bit more and then take that information to work or to another friend group and talk about it there. So I love that. Yeah. Good point, Sheila. Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, before we... Well, actually, before before we wrap it up, what are your thoughts on the homestead and the CUP hearing? If you can please share with our listeners. So it's very exciting to me. And I think it's a, how do I even explain the need for this? Because it's so great. I don't think people truly understand how good, how much good it could do for the community and for the city in general um, to have the resources like this out on the homestead. Not only that, but you think further down the road to all the possibilities that there are. One, how many more animals we could help, how much more educating we could do to the community. It's just, I don't even know how to, I get so tongue-tied 
I think, when I think of the homestead because I get pretty emotional about it because I think of all the good that could really come from it. I think it's just, it's there and we'll get there and we'll, we'll get that homestead and the number of animals that we'll be able to help in the process of it and on top of it, show the community what, how good things can be if we just kind of keep fighting for what's, what's right. How would your road change once, I'm going to speak this into existence, once <laughs> the homestead comes? I would love for my role to grow where there are multiple people pulling dogs in and where not only dogs, I always forget the kitties. I don't forget them. I think because I don't focus on them, I won't. I certainly don't forget them. But it would be so amazing if we could have teams of people going to different rescues that are, you know, not just Wichita, but, you know, El Dorado is, is a tough rescue that, or not a rescue, it's a shelter um, that needs help too. And then there's all these small communities that have no money and they need resources and help and support. And if just to think of what we could all do within the community to pull all these individuals together to do all this good would be pretty amazing. I don't know if this goes along with the same topic or not, but we have a write-in question. Oh. Anonymously by Jen. <laughs> you definitely need to share what your priest said. So um, in passing, I, <laughs> I was at church and in passing, one of the priests one day was just talking to me and we were discussing rescue because that comes to mind every time I talk to anyone. Thank you for bringing it up in conversation. <laughs> and I told him that I worry. I worry a lot about it. And, and, he's, and he said, just so you know, always remember that he's, that he's always with them and that no matter what, he'll never leave them. And so they're always protected. That has to have given you such a sense of inner peace. It does. And I know you carry those words with you happily. I just have to share, like, when <laughs> Craig, we were doing the podcast with Craig, like, his energy, you have that same energy. Not that anybody else don't have that passion when they, <laughs> we, we talk about rescuing. But, Kelly, I love you, and I love your energy wow. and your, your passion of, you know, what you do for always and forever. Well, I'll tell you, um, the organization makes that possible. Everyone, I think, really shares a lot of that. Everyone has a good heart, and they're all out for the right mission and the right reasons. And Jen has really kind of put an umbrella over us with all of those wonderful things. And so it's not hard to fall in love with, with helping and being doing the right thing. I truly wish for our listeners that you have something in your life that you are as passionate about as our guests that come on can be brought to tears just by a simple question or a simple topic that they feel so passionately about it. They are overwhelmed with emotions. If you do not have that in your life currently, find it. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to challenge you to find it because that is truly the purpose of living is to find that one thing that you are so passionate about. It overwhelms you with emotion to do better at it, to get better, to be connected and make a difference. Okay. Good job, Sheila. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot more audiobooks. <laughs> Channeling my inner. <laughs> okay. 
Kelly, again, thank you so much for joining us this evening and sharing your passion with our listeners. Before we wrap up, have you been thinking about who our cover girl or boy is going to be? I think we're going to pick Royce as our doggy. So you've had some experience with Royce. Do you want to tell us a little bit about him? Yes, Royce was originally at Little Gray Barnes, and then Jen decided to transfer him over to graduate him up. Yes, so Royce was originally at Little Gray Barn and then graduated to Little Red Barn, which saddens my heart, but we want him to get adopted. Uh, Royce is a four-year-old terrier pit bull the sweetest you guys look at his face um he is the best cuddler he loves kids you guys just look at that face i love him kelly do you remember anything about royce happy little personality royce reminds me of the black beauty of pitbulls if anyone remembers that movie (laughs) the black beauty was one of my favorites but whenever i walk him or am i around him he just has this physique to him, and he's like a little show pony. Is pure black and shiny, and he has this little prance jump when he gets so excited. Uh, he's just wonderful. An amazing um, rollerblading partner. Yeah. So Royce is available for foster or adoption or doggy dates or summer parties like Sai has done with him before. So check out Royce. He's our cover boy this episode. Sai, would you like to wrap us up? As always, it's... Wait, you didn't even think? I did think her. I think her before... Okay, hold on. Did you? Did I, Kelly? Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you again for coming out. And we appreciate all that you do and the amount of animals that you help and also the relationships you form with other shelters and people within Always and Forever. So I will thank you because I didn't yet. (laughs) Sorry I called you out. Okay, continue. As always, it's never too late for a happily ever after. Craig is on his way.